Why don't we give the celebrity of our soul a big hand clap? Could you do that? Isn't the Lord wonderful? Amen. Well, it's so humbling but great to be in Christian life, to be with Brother Chance and his wife. We've known them for many, many years. Uh, Back in the day when uh, youth camp we played ball, they don't do that no more. They they do ping pong and Barbie dolls or something. I don't know what they do. But back in the day, back in the day, I remember most from he was very competitive. I wasn't. I just wanted to win, but he was very competitive. Amen. And he had a big brother, brother Mike. Uh, that boy could throw a softball, and uh, I was always amazed. My dad played baseball for a living, and, and so I, I, he taught me how to throw a softball a little bit different than everybody. Everybody did the roundhouse. I did the hooker ball. And what I remember of Brother Chance, his dad, is when I went in for my license, they never asked me if I believed in one God. They didn't ask me if I believed in baptism in Jesus' name. Brother Chance just wanted to know where I learned how to throw a softball. And I got my license. Amen. Sister Chance, it is so good to see you. We honor you. Uh, She and Brother Chance came to preach for us. Matter of fact, it was was at this time of year when y'all came. I forgot I thought about that on the way up here. It was during Mardi Gras. I had uh, invited them months prior, but I had not made hotel arrangements and then come to find out it was Mardi Gras weekend, and I couldn't find a hotel for them. I I finally put them in some kind of bread and breakfast. Y'all remember that? I don't know if y'all had somebody staying with y'all or not. I don't really know. But uh, And then he preached that Sunday morning. And the Mardi Gras parade passed right by. I'll never forget Brother Chance. He just stopped preaching. They were making a lot of racket and coming by. He just stopped. He said, uh, we don't hear that much. Let me just listen to it a while. <laughs> and so when he got finished listening to it, they, they we went on with service. Amen. Isn't it great to have friends and great memories? Amen. I mean that. God bless you so much. And it's the Hoyts. Glad you've joined the church. Are you kin to those Hoyts from Loosedale? Oh, my God. Have mercy. I like you up to that point right there. <laughs> we preach for them. Great folks. They are great, great folks. If you have your Bibles, let me go to work. Amen. Again, it's so good to be here. And uh, we are definitely honored. It's good to have my wife with me. We drove up this morning. Uh, we are not homeless. We retired. We still have our home in Eunice. I have a place to stay in Tioga. And I have a travel trailer on Black Lake in Natchitoches. So that's where we've been for the last few months is on the lake. And um, we just 
chose to drive up this morning. Such a beautiful drive. And uh, we enjoyed being together. Good to have her, though. Amen. If you have your Bible, very simple scripture, Luke 18 and 8. Wasn't that wonderful singing this morning? My, 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 my. <laughs> and if I could play the piano like that fella, I'd quit preaching and go on the road. Amen. Luke 18 and 8. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. When the Lord comes, is he going to find faith on the earth? I want to preach a little while this morning on a subject. Faith always fights against the facts. Faith always will fight against the facts. Let's give the Lord a good hand praise one more time. Thank you for the singing. Thank you for the place. This great corral that brought us into your presence. In the name of Jesus Christ, bless us today. Hallelujah. you got a good attitude. You can be seated. Amen. Now, I'm just going to act like I'm home. Is that all right? How many of you have one of these deals right here like this? Oh, come on, man. I'm not going to preach against it. It's just, man, y'all scared, I scared y'all right off the bat. We live in a very informative age. And it's known as the digital age. Some call it the new media age which continues daily to alter our lives and alter our thinking at such an amazing pace. This new technology, this user devices, this method of interaction is growing each and every day and is affecting us every day. The Internet was developed during the 1970s by the Department of Defense. It remained underneath the government control until 1984. And then in the early 90s, the World Wide Web was developed, and then a wealth of knowledge was now available at our fingertips. And then surfing the web became this pastime in and of itself. But we're living in a very informative age, meaning that we know more, we have more data, and we have more facts than any other age before us. And it is multiplying hourly. A treasure of information is obtained with just a click of a mouse or the command of your voice. And while we are enjoying this wealth of information, we are ignorantly introduced to the prince of the power of the air, which is the enemy of our soul. 
I can go in my, my pickup, my truck, and so could you. And I can turn on the radio and I can choose from about 200 plus channels. I can listen to a soccer game in Argentina. I can listen to a lecture that's going on in New England. Or I can listen to the latest nonsense in Washington. And it is both informative but also impurating. From our personal cell phones, we can find anything from a classmate in the fourth grade to what the stock market is doing on Wall Street to who is dating who in Hollywood. And we like that stuff. Because we are people that like information. We like details. We like facts. And we do have biblical blessings for this in Proverbs 23 and 12. The Word of God says, Apply your heart to instruction and your ears to the word of knowledge. So we are, we are backed by biblical blessings. But also we have been ushered into the fulfillment of prophecy. Each and every new information is just another piece of the prophetical puzzle that's put together. Matter of fact, in the book of Daniel chapter 12 and verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words, seal the book until the time of the end, and many, many are going to run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. However, listen, all of this information that we have has a downside. Information overload occurs. This happens when the amount of input into the system exceeds the processing capacity. And so consequently, when the information overload occurs, it is likely that there's going to be a reduction in decision quality which is going to occur. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 18, For in much wisdom is much... And he who increases knowledge increases sorrow. Let me paraphrase that for you. The more I know, the more depressed I get. And the more facts that I have, the more frustrated my faith becomes. Oh, y'all not. Isaiah 47 and 10. Your wisdom and thy knowledge, it has perverted you. Look up that word perverted. It actually means it has warped you. It has changed you. It has distorted your thinking. Hear me this morning. All of these facts and these figures 
have confused you and I. All of this understanding, all of this information has damaged our destiny and has impaired our purpose. So all of this wisdom and this knowledge, it has not all been good for us. Oh, I'm feeling the Lord. In this information age, we like to weigh, test, calculate, and compute, and access everything. Hear me. And what we cannot weigh, and what we cannot test, and what we cannot calculate, and what we cannot compute, we refuse to believe it. And in so doing... We have reduced our world to what we can only touch and see and hear and prove and verify and confirm. And the result of that kind of lifestyle is that we exclude the eternal and we deny the invisible and we shut out the supernatural move of God. And our faith begins to falter, and our trust begins to tremble, and our conviction become confused, and our hope is hurt, and expectations turn into frustration. But, but, but we're human. We are fixated on facts. We like facts. With a single computer or calculator, we can calculate on any given day in America what is going to happen in a 24-hour period. We like this stuff. Every 24 hours, 9,321 babies are born. 6,367 couples get married. 3,236 children run away from home. 600 million cups of coffee are consumed. 12 million cows are milked. Over 197 million eggs are laid. Folks, you just got to go to Google. Sister Google knows everything. 1.7 billion cigarettes are smoked. 5,800 people are going to die today. Cancer is going to take out 1,400 of those. 5,231 women are going to have an abortion in the next 24 hours. We like facts, don't we? There's 118 ridges around a dime. An ostrich eye is bigger than his brain. And a butterfly tastes by his feet. We like all that stuff. Wisdom and our knowledge, though, has perverted us. But we want facts and we want figures. We like to measure everything. But we did get it honest because we are sons of God and we have the mind of Christ in us. Isaiah 40 and 12 Speaking about our God and our Creator, the prophet says, Who has measured, he measured the waters in the hollow of his hand. And he measured, he measured out the heavens 
with the span, and who had shut up the dust of the earth in a measure. And he weighed, he weighed the mountains in a scale. He locks backs. He wanted to know how heavy a heel was. He stretched the heavens out like a curtain. He spreadeth them like a tent. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. Oh, what a God. Hallelujah. He's already counted every grain of sand on a seashore. He knows every time a sparrow falls from the heavens. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He likes that. We get it honest. A word came to Noah to build a boat. He was given the exact measurements of how long that boat was going to be, the breadth and the height, the dimensions, and where the window was going to be put. The word was given the exact measurements and figures to the Ark of the Covenant that was going to represent the presence of God. God gave that to us. The Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So hear me this morning. God is the architect of the universe. He's the manager of all times. And that word that we accept by faith comes and the Bible says a virgin shall be with child and going to bring forth a son. His mother couldn't afford a decent maternity ward, but stars sang Christmas carols over his birthplace. Our faith receives that. And stones had a victory march, hallelujah, after his or in his resurrection. Your faith has got to accept that. You can't find that on Sister Google. Oh God. His word. The heavens were made. He just spoke and it was done. At his word the earth was formed. And blushing waters were pregnant with living things. At his word, the sun took station in the sky as king of the day. And the moon started her all-night stroll amid the saluting stars. At his word, birds mounted up with wings without fear of heights. And beasts of the fields roamed as if they owned the world. At his word, fruit trees and vines brought forth, and flowers of various colors gave forth fragment. At his word, ravens fed the prophets. At his word, red seas became dry land. Wilderness bloomed like a rose, and mill barrels were filled. At his word, crippled limbs became strong, and a little girl was raised from the dead, and a man received his sight, and demonic spirit had to take their flight, and cities were stirred and turned upside down. He turned wilderness into picnic places. Fish gathered in a in a net. I'm talking about our God here tonight today. 
I'll sit down. In my, getting on my time. But listen to this. Listen to this. The summit, as if to add a little postscript. We don't know anything about that no more, but years ago we used to put a P.S. on the bottom of our love letter. you got to be old 50 to know that. And so David, the writer, puts a little P.S. So what is man? That thou art mindful of him and the son of man, that you would even visit him. For thou hast made him a little lower than angels. And you crowned him with glory and with honor. And thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thine hand. And thou hast put everything under his feet. Did y'all get that? That's us. Everybody plug yourself and say, that's me. That's a fact. I said, that's a fact. But you're going to have to accept that by faith. You can't Google that when you get home. I'm going to preach on this side. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about over here. There's some things you can't Google. There's some things that the Google don't know. Oh, my. Help us. John declares, greater works than these shall you do. And you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Listen to me. I came to tell you that's a fact. I said that's a fact. And you've got to, you've got to gain that and believe that. And you only receive that by faith. Uh, let me let me illustrate this. Y'all understand where I'm going. While I was pastoring, uh, I had a lady call me, a young lady called, and she said, Are you, Brother Coma said, I am. She said, Are you are you the, the pastor of the Pentecostal Church here in town? I said, I am. She said, uh, My grandma and my grandpa, they had a wreck in your city here sometimes back, and they'd been in a coma. And been in a coma a long time. And so all the family is gathered up today and we're all in the family room. She said, but I, uh, I just told my family that if I can get a hold to that preacher, he's going to come down here and he's going to pray and they're going to get out of bed. Now, y'all going to think that your pastor got a, the wrong guy. Her faith was high. I said, I'll be there. I was nauseated. I was sick. I prayed that God give me the flu. You hear me? I took the longest bath I ever took in my life. 
I took the longest to get dressed. I got my truck. I drove the speed limit. I stopped at every stop sign. I stayed at every red light till they'd blow the horn behind me. And when I got out of my truck at the hospital, I was wide open. You know why? Because before I took my bath, I went in my office and I googled coma. And Sister Google said this, It is a state of unconsciousness in which a person cannot be awakened. And do not initiate voluntary actions. A comatose person is unable to knowingly feel, speak, hear, or move. That's a fact. And when I rounded that corner, (laughs) that family room was so full, they were out in the hall. I'm telling you, I was as sick as I've ever been in my life. I told God I, I'd go to Nineveh. I would. Uh, when I got there, I introduced myself, and I'm Ryan Lacombe. I got one wife and no dogs, no cats. And, Three kids, one adopted. And while that girl said, come on. You've got to come on. And so I followed her. And just as we come out the door, she turned and looked at everybody in there and said, y'all better come on. Y'all got to see this. You don't want to miss it. From there to that ICU room, you talk about repent. I asked God to forgive me for everything, everything I could ever think of. And told him to cover all that I forgot to think about. We got in a room. We went over there to Momo. I put my hand on her head. I didn't shout, didn't talk in tongues, didn't jump. I was too nervous. Put my hand on her head and I said, Jesus, you did it for the disciples. Surely you can do it for me. I need you to heal this lady. And about that time I felt something move under my hand. So I peeked a little bit. And Maman was moving. Her eyes opened up. Ah. Oh, my. That, that, that room went ballistic. And she first thing come out of her mouth, Well, how, how, how's, my, how's Papa doing? And the lady said, the young lady said, Oh, we fixed to go right across the hall. And, and, and this preacher's going to pray for him. And he's going to come out of that bed, too. Well, now, 
Y'all get Now faith. I said faith. It's coming a little higher. So I walk into, I walk into Papa's room and I thought if it worked with Momo, it's going to work for him. And, and so I violated the repetitious prayers and I just put my hand on his head and I said, Jesus, if you did it for the disciples, surely you can do it for me. And I prayed and before long I felt the head move and, and Papa opened his eyes and everybody shouting and crying and praying and man, I was, now, shoot, man. Ha <laughs> Oh, yeah. Y'all getting this? I thought about going to the other hospital and go to ICU room, and I thought about stopping by the graveyard on the way home, maybe, and maybe just a little visit at the funeral home, and because now... Let me tell you something. Let me, let me just clear this up. This preacher didn't have no faith. But they had a young girl. I don't remember her name. I don't know where she came from. But they had a girl with a little bit of faith that just believed God was able when somebody prayed that their, that her mother or grandmother and grandfather was going to get out of bed. I didn't have it, but she had it. All it takes is a little bit of faith to believe and go against what Google says and go against the fact and God will give you a miracle. You with me? I found somewheres in this book, in Matthew 17, if you have faith... I said, if you have faith, like a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall move. And nothing, everybody say nothing. Scream that to me. Nothing, nothing shall be impossible to you. But you've got to accept that by faith. That's why the Lord said he knew what kind of day we was going to live in, we'd be living in and how many facts that we would have and access to all of this information and data. And so he said, when the Son of Man comes back, is there going to be any faith? Or are we just going to get caught up in the, the facts? Can I take a little longer here? Man, I'm feeling the Holy Ghost here. Let me let me let me stretch this. In Second Kings chapter four. I was gonna omit this, but I'm gonna throw this in here. This will be free of charge, won't cost you nothing. So Second Kings four. Verse thirteen. Now the prophet told the servant, he said, I want you to go to this Shudamite woman and say now unto her, verse thirteen, Behold, thou hast been careful for us. With all of this care, you've taken care of us. What is to be done for thee? What can we do for you? And verse 14. And Gehazi answered, Verily she has no child. Everybody say no child. And her husband is old. Everybody say he's old. So he's just an old gizzard. He's too old. That's facts. 
too old. Verse 16. And he said, here's faith. About this season, according to life, you're going to conceive a son. Now that's faith. Back said you're too old. They said you're going to have a boy. And she said, now, now hold it just a minute. Don't lie to me. Because facts always fight against our faith. Verse 17. Put it up here. They won't believe that. And the woman <laughs> conceived. Everybody say conceived. And a bear, a son, she bore a son at that season that Elijah had said unto her. Verse 18. And when the child was grown, he fell on a day that he went out to his father, to the reapers. And he said unto his dad, my, my head, my head. And he said to the lad, he tells him what, we, what all fathers tell their children, uh, let your mama take care of you. Carry him to his mother. Verse 20. And when he had taken him and brought him to his mother, he sat on her knee till noon and then died. Everybody say died. Now, that's facts. He's dead. But say dead. He's dead. He's lifeless. His heart stops beating. His lungs quit. And she went up. She laid him on the bed of the man of God. She shut the door upon him and went out. Next few verses. Listen to this. These next few verses, she asked her husband, uh, the servants, to get a donkey ready. And, and so they get a wagon and... And so she's going out to meet the prophet. And when they see her coming, verse 26, Run now, prophet said, I pray thee to meet her and say unto her, Is it well with thee? Is it well with thy husband? Is it well with your child? The facts are he's in bed at home Dead. But faith says all is well. It is well. Verse 28. Then she says, now she's the facts. Did I desire son of my Lord? Did I not say do not deceive me? Now faith is fighting against facts. When she said, all is well, that's faith. But now she's saying, I didn't ask for this kid. You gave it to me now. Look what happened to me. It's your fault. That's facts. And poor Gehazi, who's a servant of the man of God, he couldn't get back the facts. And so he prayed for her, and nothing happened. And when Elijah was come to the house, behold, the child was dead. Everybody say dead. That's facts. And he laid upon his bed. He went in, therefore, he shut the door upon them, twain, and he prayed unto the Lord. That's faith. Faith prays. Doesn't matter what the facts are. Verse 35 
And when he returned and walked in the house and to and fro, he went up, stretched himself upon him, this boy, and the child sneezed seven times. Let me just throw this in here. A sneeze, that don't seem like a lot. But if you're dead, <laughs> that's everything. But facts are always fighting against our faith. And the Bible says, and the child opened his eyes. Every now and then, you have to let your faith fight against the facts. I said, faith has got to fight against the facts. We had a man in our church. He was one of our sound men, he and his brother Paul. And uh, Brother Erlen was having a lot of back trouble. And he needed to uh, go to the hospital and have back surgery. And so he went. We were all there with him, his family and myself. And They said it would be just a few hours and then uh, we'll let you all visit a little bit. And then by this afternoon, he, he'll be on his feet. And if you're fixing to have back surgery, don't get nervous. So so we waited and so they had surgery and we waited and waited and doctor never came, we never hear heard anything and and so I, I I'm not quite endowed with a whole lot of patience and so I told the family, Y'all wait here and I'll go see what's going on. So they had one of these doors and I love those doors that say, No one beyond this point. I love that. There's got to be something over there that they don't want you to see. That entices me. And so I walked through there, and I went back there, and I found the nurse. And I finally found the doctor, and the doctor said, Look, we're going to postpone this little uh, deal with the family, and we'll talk to them tomorrow. And, and I said, Okay. So went back out, and I explained to them what the doctor had said, and they had a lot of questions I couldn't answer. And, and so the next day, we were there. We waited. We waited. We waited. Not a while, the doctor said, y'all can come on in. We all went in the room, sat down and in there. And Brother Erlen, he's laying on the bed. And, and the doctor said, well, let me explain. Erlen said, wait just a minute. He said, I want all of you family members, I want all of y'all to leave. I just want Brother Lacombe here. That's not good. And so they all left. So the doctor went and proceeded to explain what happened. He said, while we were going in with this screw in your back, it slipped, and it went through your spinal cord, and it went in, in and uh, you will be paralyzed from waist down for the rest of your life. <laughs> so he walked out. And Brother Erlen looks at me and he says, Now, Pastor, don't you tell my family what the doctor said. We preachers, sometimes we get in a bind. He said, Don't say a word about it. Don't tell them nothing. So I go back in the family room. 
What'd you hear? What'd the doctor say? And so I did like preachers and lawyers do. You know, I I said a lot and didn't say nothing. And and, and uh, I lied a little bit. And God said He'd probably do the same thing. You know, I mean, they were just they just they. Uh, what else are you gonna tell them? Hey, you can stop me anytime you want. I'm telling y'all stuff he won't tell y'all. I'm retired now. I just love them and leave them. And so the next Sunday, I'm in a pulpit, and I preached. Well, Brother Paul, he's on the soundboard, and and so I saw him pick up the phone, and and so I pastored a bunch of Cajuns, you know, and I, I be one, so I know them, you know, so so. <laughs> I saw the expression. I thought, mm, this is not good. And Brother Paul, you know, he got out. We Cajuns, they don't think a whole lot, you know, before they react. And so he got out of the sound booth. He come walking right down the aisle, and he stood right in the front of the pulpit. He pointed his finger up at me, and he said, You knew all the time. You knew it. And you didn't tell us. You knew that my brother was paralyzed from waist down. You knew he would never walk again. And you never told us. And he was all beside himself. So I got down there and I put my arm around his neck and we got in a little holy headlock. And so I, I said, Brother Paul, Brother Erland didn't want me to tell nobody. So I'm just honoring him. I'm just respecting his wish. I'm sorry, but that's the way it is. And he broke down. He cried and told me he was sorry. And I told him I was sorry for getting mad at him. And he told me he was sorry for being mad at me. And That's what you do when you get mad at somebody. I don't know what y'all do around here. Y'all fight? What you do there? So we, we settled it. And so we got in the car and started. We was going to eat at a Chinese place. We don't eat there no more. But we went to the went to a Chinese place. That slipped. That wasn't supposed to come out like that. But, but we was going to a Chinese place. And I got out of the car and we started walking. And about that time my phone went off. And it was Billy. That's another brother, three of them. And so Billy is at the hospital. Paul was running sound. And Erlen's in the hospital bed. And so Billy says, Brother Tom? I said, yes. And he's on the phone. Oh, he was mad. He said, look. He said, the doctor just came in and talked to my brother. And he told me that, or he told Brother Erlen that he need to accept the fact that he was going to be paralyzed from waist down for the rest of his life. And he said, you knew it all the time and didn't tell us. He said, I was standing behind the curtain, eavesdropping. He said, Brother Cone, he said, if you, I'm going to give this phone, I'm going in there and give it to Erlen. And he, she, he said, you're the only man that if you tell Erlen to stay in bed, Erlen's going to stay in bed. 
But Arlen already told me and told the doctor, I'm getting out of bed today, and I'm going to walk today. I don't care what the x-ray said. I don't care what the MRI said. I don't care what you said. I'm going to get out of this bed and walk today. He said, but if you will tell him to stay in bed, he'll stay in bed. I said, now, Billy, I'm not telling him. And brother, he just got beside himself. He said, Brother Cole, Brother Cole, he was just all beside and find the wall the phone just went dead. And I said, Billy, hello. Hello, Billy. And I heard him say, Oh my God. He said, Brother Cole, Erland is walking right down the hall. He's coming. Towards me. You know why? There's a man in the bed that just could not take the facts. He just believed that God was able to touch him. And he had more faith. Folks, I'm preaching to somebody here this morning. Every now and then, you got to have your faith. That's got to fight against the facts. I want you to stand. Give me some musicians. I'm fixing the clothes. What are the facts? Bad lab test. What about the MRI? What about the CT scan? What about that bad doctor's report? What about that wayward child? What about that son? Is he incarcerated? Is there anybody have faith here today? I don't care what the facts see. Is there anybody with a lot of faith here today? Jesus said, If thou canst believe, all things. Everybody say all things. All things are possible to him that believeth. Somebody needs a miracle today. They're going to get it. Somebody needs a touch from the Lord today. They're going to get it. I feel like there's faith in the house right now. I feel like there's a miracle in the making. The wonder worker is here. God's fixing to step in here. Something mighty's fixing to happen. Listen to me. I'm not going to tell a story if somebody else will tell this. November of 2005, I was deer hunting in Mississippi. I crawled up in a deer stand about 20 feet up. And I fell out of that tree with a cardiac arrest. I'd had several heart attacks prior to that but and had several stents. But I had a cardiac arrest, fell out of that tree. I had a concussion. I broke my jaw. I separated my shoulder. I broke an arm and a wrist. I broke uh, cracked ribs on both sides. I punctured my liver, punctured my lung. Nobody knew where I was at. I fell about 8 o'clock, didn't wake up till about 2. And I was laying in a pool of blood. And I finally got up and made my way. And I'd pass out and get back up and make my way a little further and pass out. And finally I made it to my truck and I drove to the camp. And when I was just driving up, some of the men were just coming out of the camp. And I'd already told them I was leaving right after I hunted. God always takes care of people. 
And so when I saw them come down off that porch to my truck, I, I passed out. I don't remember much after that. They took me to the hospital, and they knew immediately it was my heart. They couldn't do anything about it. I stayed there a while, and they moved me to another hospital where they knew more about me. And before long, they had me feeling like I might live. And then one day, a doctor walked in. He said, how would you like to just uh, get out of bed and sit by this chair right here? And I said, man, I'd love that. I'd been on my back for so long. And so I got out, and I sat down. And I had no longer sat when my world started turning again, just like it did up in that tree. And I coded, and they came in, and I had a blood clot that went to my good lung. And so the doctors told my wife, said, very, very few people even get through this. You might expect the worst. But a woman of faith believed that God was able and prayer still works. Preachers came by and prayed and believed the Lord. Six or seven times they told her, Dr. Toe, he won't make it through the night. He won't make it through the day. And it finally come to the time where they had to, they would, made a decision to disconnect. I was on 100% life support. And so the last preacher and his wife prayed and went to the room with my wife. And the doctor, Dr. Kevin, told me about it. We're still friends to this day. Dr. Kevin said... He closed the door behind him in that ICU unit, and he went to all of those meters and getting ready to shut down everything. And he said there was a there was a little light knock on the door, and he said I went to the door and opened it up, and he said there was another. He said there was a tall, elderly, stately gentleman standing at the door, and he said, Doctor. If you don't mind, I'd like to come in and have prayer with my friend. And Dr. Kevin said immediately he got angry. He got mad. He thought, why didn't he come with everybody else? Why didn't he come at a later, at an earlier hour? And then he said he thought, if this old man got through security and he got through locked doors, least I can do is just let him pray. And he said, Preacher, he said, when that old man put his hand on you, he said, I believed that him and God were buddies. He said, I couldn't even hardly stand to eavesdrop. He said, I backed away. And he said, he was very quiet and very short. He turned around and he walked out. He said when he got to the door, he turned and very politely, he said, thanks. And he went out the door. He said when I closed the door and turned around and looked all at the needles, he said all of them started going up. He said I ran to the door and I opened the door and he said I looked. He said, right across the hall, right there was a nurse's desk in ICU. And one of them said, Dr. Kevin said, what you looking for? He said, 
there was a tall elderly man just stepped in to this room said which way did he go and the nurse said Dr. Kevin it's been a long night you're tired and I'm tired but nobody went into your room and nobody came out of your room and he said I don't know how to explain it but you better come in here and help me disconnect this stuff before this man smothers and I'm going to just tell you within a couple of hours they had my wife in the room and we were visiting for an hour or so by that night I slept well the next day by four o'clock I was in my own private room you can't tell me that God is not able if you can just believe him and it doesn't matter what the facts are if you're faith and fight against it there's healing for you there's a miracle for you there's a touch for you I got 17 stents. I got a pacemaker, defibrillator. I'm wired inside and out. I run about 17, 18% on my heart. They said I'd never hunt again. I do. They said I'd never fish again. I do. They said I'd never preach again. You decide that. But I'm just telling you we serve a God that's able. If you can believe all things are possible to Him. That believe. Somebody ought to give him a hand praise right now. You need a miracle in your life. Somebody ought to release faith. You need a, a release that belief in him. And God can do whatever you believe in him. Let your faith loose. Come on, you have a need. Just come stand right here in the front. Could happen. 